Hello and welcome to Floating Swimming Stories with me, Joe Minahan. My guest this week is Rosie Cook of Deakin and Blue. Deakin and Blue is a swimwear company founded with the principle of improving water access for women and working to make swimwear better for women in general. Rosie and I went for a swim at London Fields Lido on a glorious October afternoon and then repaired to her office to have a quick chat about all things swimming, Roger Deakin and body positivity. Really hope you enjoy the chat. I'll be back at the end. So here we go. Okay, so I'm with Rosie Cook. We're here in London in Hackney. Just been for a very lovely swim in uh, London Fields Lido. Heads out, it's the swimming chat. Yeah, we had a lovely swimming chat. chat. How nice. I was like all like, you know, ready. I've got my hat, got my very, very short shorts on, got my goggles snapped on. And there's Rosie in the swimming chat area, aka in the general swim area. Um, I haven't had a swimming chat in ages. I kind of felt like one of those like really hardy people at um, Hampstead Ponds. Just in there for ages, just having a chat. Nice to do it though. I mean, sometimes getting in the water, it's nice to sort of get in and do your thing and, you know, whatever you need to do. But sometimes it's lovely to just get in and soak it up and have a chat and look at the trees and, yeah, have that moment. I just got the feeling that if I got into the medium pace lane, (laughs) where I'm always flailing about, I'd have either had someone tapping my toes or I'd have been tapping someone else's. Almost certainly. All a bit passive-aggressive. Yeah. Not the vibe you were after. No, no, I love that. Aren't swimmers all friendly? And then you're just like, oh, stop. Get out of my way. Don't go swim under me. Yeah. Um, So I guess I want to start by asking you a little bit about Deakin and Blue. Um, Could you explain to the listeners what it is and how you came up with the idea? Of course. What's your life now? Yeah, it is my life now. My goodness, it is. Um, So Deacon and Blue, we're a women's swimwear brand and we make swimwear that helps women feel incredible in a swimsuit or a bikini. Um, And I set the business up when I started swimming for exercise about four years ago now. Uh Couldn't find a swimsuit for my weekly swim and sort of quickly spotted that swimwear was either really pretty but skimpy, kind of great for ordering cocktails on holiday but not very good for actually swimming Swimming in, in, or indeed running around the pool after your kids or um, going for a diving lesson or whatever it might be. Um, And at the other end of the spectrum was sort of super serious sports swimwear, which was usually black, usually designed for real athletes, usually sort of unforgivably thin and didn't really give any thought to female body shape, the idea that women come in different shapes and sizes. And I felt there was this huge gap in the middle. Um, I did a bit of research and found that one in two mums are put off of taking their child to, to learn to swim because of thought putting on a swimsuit. Lots of women have given up swimming because of body image concerns. And I have this sort of broader hypothesis that in life, women are prevented from participating in things all the time because the kit isn't designed for them. Yeah. Um, you know, the NASA story earlier this year about women, there was an all-women spacewalk planned. They designed the suit in the wrong size. Change, change a plan, men go instead. I mean, I think that that was terrible, terrible press piece oh, for NASA. Oh, God. I know, I know. Um. But, but for me, that just typifies stuff that I think happens every day. So, um, in a moment of madness, I decided to solve this problem and set up a swimwear <laughs> um, I'm doing this myself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and so the rest is history. So, do you design the kit yourself? I do, yes, I do. In a very research led way. So, we're thinking first about function. So, it's right. not. So obviously, we think a lot about. Um, colour and prints and trends but we're mainly thinking what feels great on, what holds us, 
how do we feel contained, safe, confident? We think about all of those things first. Um, you know, how do we keep our bus in the right place? How do we make sure that we're feeling covered enough on the bum? Whatever it might be. So it's a very sort of um, function-led design process. So have you got a background in fashion design? No, no. I worked in the city. For, I I worked in the city for six years. So no, not at all. <laughs> no, uh, total, total sidestep. Amazing. Um, yeah, so was that always a, a thing that you want, like designing things? Was that always something you wanted to do? No, it, it really was a sort of accident or circumstance. Okay. I just couldn't find something for myself, made something for myself, and, and thought, this really works. It's much better than anything else out there. Why is no one else doing this? Yeah. Um, and, and thought, well, if I can, I can lead that design, but bring in proper experts that you know, have designed lingerie and swimwear for years and years and okay. years. And, that, and there are, you're pleased to hear there are experts involved. Which is don't always know, well, you know. <laughs> can't always tell, but you there are. You can make yourself an expert. <laughs> yeah, for sure, learn on the job. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So there are lots of experts involved. And I, you know, I sort of, I suppose I thought if I can bring in the sort of functional expertise, but with a new vision, which does things a bit differently, um, then I think we can create a brand that, that solves this problem. I think in a way, not having that background has been a bit of an advantage because I, look at fabrics that aren't traditionally used for swim or I um, talk about components that aren't usually used in swimwear and say why, why aren't we using it and can we and just because no one else is using it doesn't mean we shouldn't be yeah. um, so it's that classic cliche of you know I ask the stupid questions but I have the right to because you know I don't I don't know anything so I'm allowed to if you like that's great though um, yeah. so, so where did the swimming so you say you, you sort of came to this through swimming for exercise were yeah. you swimming before that or, or when is this sort of is swimming now an obsession or was it something that you came to just because you wanted to get fit in a particular way? Or? Yeah, um, I've always loved water and I've always been a water baby, you know, on holiday or yeah. given any opportunity. Um, but it definitely wasn't something that was part of my sort of weekly routine in the yeah. way that it is now. And when I started swimming for exercise, the big appeal to me was a workout. That, I mean, so it's about four years ago and... Um, it was at the real peak of people Instagram checking in their workouts or sharing their runs on Strava or whatever it might be. Yeah. And for lots of people that works, so I'm not um, dismissing that. But for me, I really liked the idea of a workout which was completely switched off from technology, where actually there was no in, in, interaction with technology at all. You know, and the beauty of swimming is at the moment, touch woods, they, they haven't designed something that means your phone can go in the water with you. Um, properly, so I'm to all intents and purposes offline for a yeah. proper hour, and that was a big pull. That was a big pull that sort of brought me to swimming in the first place, and it's the reason that I still swim now. It's the it's effectively other than being asleep, it's the only hour in my week when I'm you know more than two meters away from my phone. It's just pretty. It's good, but it's pretty scary. Yeah, as well. it's pretty terrifying. I mean, I know like the people talk about like you know, oh, you can get swim MP3 players and headphones. Like, I, to be perfectly honest, like you know, the other ones, like, oh, you got a pool where they've got these speakers and they work in the water. I'm like, I can think of nothing worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's the only place I can't be got. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And I, I guess if I was swimming five k every day, perhaps the idea of you know suddenly having podcasts underwater would be sure. my absolute dream. But for my sort of level of swimming, you know, a couple of times a week, couple of hours. It's the perfect switch off. So I'm like you. I just love the idea of not of technology being nowhere near me whilst I'm in there. Yeah. So where do you go? So we've just been to London Fields, yeah. um, which is obviously delightful and heated. It's October, um, <laughs> yeah. so so although as much as like you know, I have enjoyed getting in the sea of late. It is getting a little bit challenging, and also frankly, you stay in for five or ten minutes, get beaten up, and then you get out. So this is good for a slightly more extended 
session, right? Definitely. But you've been, going, you've been going to Parliament Hill as I've well. Been to Parliament Hill. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been swimming there on and off throughout the summer, and I, I was tr- going to try keep swimming through winter, and that's I last time there about two weeks ago. It's about fourteen degrees, okay. um, which was quite chilly, but enjoyable actually. And it always it surprises me every time when I get into very cold water how quickly the pain becomes actually really lovely. Yeah. Um, not the pain is lovely, but the pain goes away and it becomes... Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know exactly what you mean. It becomes lovely. Um, and I swim in the pond, so I swim in the pond throughout the summer as well and okay. um, continue to do that on and off. So I, I mean, we're in London, we're obviously we're landlocked, but I try to have my slightly more wild swim moments in places like the ponds. Which yeah. you know are clearly very different to going and doing a couple of k in London fields. Yeah, the ponds I tend to find is sort of a more of a special. It's almost like a treat. It's spiritual, isn't it? Yeah, it is spiritual. I know that I, I was chatting with a, uh, an ecotherapist that I know, and uh, she was like, and she was sort of teasing me about this because she was like, oh, you know, float is quite a spiritual book. I'm like, no, isn't we talking about? It? No, it's not spiritual. No, it's not. I'm not a religious song. And I'm like, well, actually, and then she sort of like basically, and she'd actually read it. <laughs> Properly, oh, well uh, yeah, I know, yeah. right? And then she was like, "No, no, no. There's, there's quite a spiritual element to this, and I think there is certainly that sense when I get in the sea, and I think with the ponds as well. Really, like, there's something about it. There's something about that sense of like looking around, especially at this time of year, as everything's starting to turn. It's uh, special. Are you going to go through the winter? Do you I'm reckon? going to try to. Um, I have sort of learned as I've gotten older that if things stop being enjoyable, it's okay to stop doing them. Yeah. So, and it's that's still quite a new revelation for me. <laughs> but so, if I stop enjoying swimming through winter, I'll probably just stop. Just keep, yeah, keep going to the heated pool. But all the time that it's enjoyable, I'll keep, I'll keep going. So at the moment, it's still great. Um, and I, I so agree with you on the spiritual point. I mean, I think the women's pond in particular, mm. it's quite, it's almost sacred. Actually, I would say that sort of women's space it's just um it feels incredibly special and i don't know anywhere else in london like that actually so it's a really so i go there as much for the mind as for the body definitely yeah i can't imagine there are many like truly safe spaces like that that are are wholly dedicated to being women's spaces all the time as well not that i can think of because it might just be there's a woman's session or you know but that's still a shared space in in other other times that's really interesting. Do you think that um, that women's sort of access to swimming is, is getting better? I know I've spoken with Jenny Landreth a lot about yeah. this. Do you think there are still issues around like male gaze at the pool and you know, how do your swimsuits sort of fit into into that idea of making women more confident about going? Yeah, I mean I I definitely still think it's a problem and I think to be honest, it, for me, it's less of a problem at the pool and at the water because I think, certainly in my experience, swimmers and the people attending swim spaces are, you know, incredibly friendly, in t- typically incredibly friendly, inclusive, and so on. Yeah. But for me, the sort of male gaze for a lot of women starts at the point of seeing the way that you know a, swim, a swimsuit is even advertised to you. It's always through male gaze, yeah. so a lot of that is sort of the projection of how we think we should feel or look in swimwear. Um, and I talk, I talk about this, I mean, I've been banging about this for a very long time. Please but... do, we have, we have a platform, <laughs> go ahead, time. we have time. But I think um, I talk a lot about the choice to feel sexy as opposed to being sexualized, And I think that's a big difference for me. So I talk about, uh, Forbes wrote a piece about Deacon and Blue about a year ago that said this company is desexualizing swimwear. And a lot of women got in touch and said, well, I want to feel sexy in my swimsuit. I said, no, no, you feel however the hell you want to feel in your swimwear, that is 
your prerogative, your body, your choice. But the difference we're making is we're saying we are not going to portray the female body as an object for sexual desire for somebody else. And we're never going to do that in the way that we talk about the woman's body, the way that we, um, the images that we use to market the product. And we're, we're so, as consumers, we're so used to seeing male gaze used to sell products to women that we almost don't see it anymore. But lingerie and swimwear industry is rife with male gaze. It's, it's still a huge issue. Like I find that, you know, I don't live in London now, but whenever I, which weirdly makes me more attuned to it whenever I get on the tube mm. or public transport network, it, it, it feels like utterly rife. Mm. And I don't know whether that's because as I get older and I just become more aware of like how everything is basically a feminist issue yeah. that I'm just more attuned to it but it does feel like it's just not going away yeah. and that, that, that sort of, despite the fact that we you know there's, there's an increased awareness of it it still seems to be a, a, a tried and tested selling tactic is what I'm saying I think that's the, that's the trouble and I'm really interested in researching that further you know do we buy as consumers do we buy in response to certain images because fundamentally that's what we respond to or because we have just been indoctrinated for however long to respond to those images. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure on the answer yet to that. I mean, I have a hypothesis, but I'm not sure yet on the answer. I think brands are beginning to do things differently and there are some brands um, out there that are talking about the female body and women's opportunities and um, women's sport, for example, in completely new and better ways. I think there's a lot. I think there's a really long way to go. Even really sporty swim swimwear brands will portray the male sur- surfing the waves and the woman laying on the beach sexually, right? I mean, it's just yeah. it's still it's still pretty problematic. But I, I mean, I'm I am an optimist, but I believe it's moving in the right direction. But I think there's I think there's still a way to go, and I think that's why there's a space for a brand like mine that, that talks about women's bodies differently. Because I don't see anyone else doing stuff that's similar to you guys, really. I know there were other brands doing good, certain yeah. things. I know there was recently a, a brand that should go unnamed on social media that a swimmer that I know has been highlighting some major issues with their campaigns. And it's quite incredible that they're probably the largest swimmer brand in the world mm. and they're still campaigning. They're, you know, they're still, still using that language. Using that language, using that imagery that, you know, and obviously they must be doing the research to potentially do, and you would imagine they're doing research, to suggest that, you know, that still resonates and still still connects, which is scary stuff. Um, I'm going to ask you, though, would you ever make men's swimwear? I do get asked this quite a lot, um, and it's very tempting, but I think the whole mission of what we're doing at DMB is about facilitating women getting involved. So for me, there's lots more to do for women in other sports categories and in other sort of shapewear-related categories before we touch on stuff for men. I'm not ruling it out, but um, it's not my next priority. (laughs) That's fine. Let's look. I just just need some sort of snug... Just a new snap. I'm just looking for like a new brand to okay, add great. to my collection. Noted. That's all. Well, you know, that's fine. <laughs> just uh, you know, every, I seem to everything seems to be in the wash at the moment. I had the very, very the snug ones today, which no yeah, one no needs one to see. Needed. No, it's great that they got brought out in the waterlogged <laughs> film last year, and then uh, you know I was promised that footage wouldn't get used. Then <laughs> let me down. So that, you know, just. just, just, just um, so when you say other sportswear, would you, are you thinking of moving away from swimwear as well then? Is yeah, that... well not away from, but um, I think lots of women come to us and say your swimsuits or your um, bikini tops fit me in a way that no other sportswear has. If you made a sports bra, okay. I'd, I'd bite your hand off. 
Um, and so, and a sports bra could, in theory, use a lot of the same fabrics, um, yep. a lot of the same sort of ecosystem. And given that women, well, men and women, are um, using products in a more transitional way, so you might go for a run on the beach and then go for a swim or do a triathlon, for yeah. example, the optimum solution for me is that we create stuff that you can wear in multiple scenarios, dry or wet. So we're looking at, um, for, for spring, summer 20, we, we've got a pair of shorts that are kind of like a cycling short that can swim in. Okay, um, but you can also, in theory, run in those as well. So they provide a bit more coverage, they're incredibly flattering, they feel really comfortable on and they're really streamlined for movement. Um, but you could, there's no reason why you couldn't wear them on land, they're sort of sweat looking and breathable. Uh-huh. And we're also, not for spring, but for slightly later next year, we're looking at a sports bra. Um, we're still in test mode and you know, we don't want to release anything until it's perfect. But um, yeah, so we're, we're looking at adjacent sports categories that sort of make sense. Anything that touches the female skin and can transform how a woman feels in her in her body is, is sort of within our remit, I think. So do you make all the kit, is all the kit made in the UK? Or yeah, it's you? made in London, in Vogue, just oh, wow. 15 minutes on the road, yeah. Fantastic, that's yeah. great, because I know there's been a lot of issues with some brands, um, sportswear brands, that have, you know, quite good, on, on the face of it, have quite good ethics policies, and they're not particularly, not, you know, Absolutely. putting their money where their mouth is. So obviously that is the... You know that comes, obviously that comes at a price if you're going to do that here, but I think it's worth it. Definitely. I mean, I know our seamstresses by first name. Um, wow. I I'm in the production studio typically at least once a week, if not more, during a production window. Um, it means I can sort of see the product firsthand and see it being. I can do the QA myself, but also it just means that when I'm thinking about are these men and women paid fairly? Are they working in safe conditions? I don't have to look at that report, I can go in and I, I use their same bathrooms, I drink their coffee, I sit in, around the same parts that they sit around. You know, I know in my own, with my own eyes and my own gut that they are in a safe yeah. environment. So, yeah, that was, that was very important to me. Um, and maybe it's easy to take that stuff seriously as a new brand, but I am still shocked every day by the big brands that will send you a t-shirt that says, you know, empowered women, empower women but will pay the woman that made it less than the cost of... She'll earn in a year less than the cost of the leggings that you've sold her. You know, I, there was news that came up this, this week yeah. about my leading sports brand, and it, it sits very uncomfortably because, it, unfortunately, as consumers, I just don't know if we're discerning enough to change our buying, habit, our buying habits to, to, to stop brands operating like that. That's the thing, isn't it? It's almost like reconditioning people to realise that if you want something that's made ethically and you know sustainably and that people are paid properly you've got to pay for it yeah you know and that's hard to you know and that's hard to explain to people like especially because how does that cut into our idea especially as as swimming as a sport which is you know essentially egalitarian yes. but how do you say to someone like don't go to a cheap sports shop and buy like you know a three pound pair of shorts that have been made you know god knows where go and spend 30 quid when someone might not have that money Absolutely. to spare i mean that's the difficult thing isn't it it's it like is. how you you know, every, in this damage, everyone's a hypocrite. Everybody, you know, every, it's hard to make those choices, especially if you're skin. But at the same time, like, you know, you've basically got to recondition everyone yeah. to realise, just beyond swimming as well, that, you know, it's not okay to support these sort of fast things. Because obviously your kit is made with, you know, to be used for a lifetime, right? I mean, that's Absolutely. the whole point. I mean, we actually repair swimsuits. So if your swimsuit, your seams come undone, you put your finger through the mesh, We'll take it back to our production studio, repair it, and send it back to you. We'd rather do that than sell you a new one. 
Um, and all our kit is made from regenerated nylon yarn anyway. So it's not even made from virgin yarns. It's made from old ocean waste Amazing. plastic scraps. But I agree with you. And I think, I think there's a huge pressure on, us, on consumers today to be perfect with this stuff. And, and we can't be, and that's okay. And nobody can, um, nobody can get absolutely everything right. But I think in a handful of your decisions, and the fashion purchases that you make is a really easy way to make a difference. To just buy a bit less, to spend more, well, not necessarily spend more, but buy things that are really well made and, and make them last and repair them and reuse them. Those things are sort of e more easy to do, I think. Um, but not everyone can be perfect. And I appreciate that it's not, that sustainability can feel really inaccessible. Um, yeah. And definitely something I'm keen to do with D&B is introduce a, a range which is a is a more accessible price point because it's it's i am aware of that contradiction because i do want to get every woman swimming but it comes at a price tag you know it, there's a tension there so it's on my radar definitely it's hard though isn't it like you know it, it's hard to do that and you know it's it, it's fine like you say like asking consumers to have those answers but then obviously it's up to brands as well to come to deliver answers but then you've got to find and source the materials and pay everybody properly absolutely you know where do you you know it's got to be a middle ground hasn't there that sort of manages it all somehow yeah it sort of gets away it's really fascinating to me that there's all these different facets that come around this you know a shared hobby you know for me like you know so much of it is like oh I'm going to chuck myself in the water like you know I don't have to worry about like you know people looking you know the male gaze or anything like that I find that, see, that's, I feel like I've learned so much since Floating came out because I was the only, of that spate of swimming books that came out, um, I think there were four or five within yes. the space, that I was the only, only guy. Um, yes, that's a good point. I've not thought of it like that. It was really actually. instructive for me because I actually learned a shitload. You know, I learned loads from Alex about, uh, Alex Hemsley about, yes. like, about body image. I learned loads from Jenny about, um, about like, the history of like women's, Access, relation, to access to swimming yeah. and their relation to water and so much from, from Jessica Lee about you know sort of the environmental side of it and considered from a, like a feminist perspective because I found that I'd, I'd never really considered that like Waterlogged being my favourite book it's like you know chock full of quite a bit of male entitlement and absolutely stuff, yeah. you know I was going to ask you so is, I'm assuming Deakin is, is Roger he is yeah <laughs> yeah is that just because you liked Waterlog a lot like me or yeah was... I did I did love Waterlog um, but in a way I think I loved it for reasons that are maybe different to the reasons lots of people love it so I think lots of people I think love his reframing of a landscape anew by sort of that that whole frog's eye view yeah, of the yeah. that's that's I think and I I love that about it too the way that he um, renders the landscape anew through that new sort of lens but for me he write he wrote a really interesting passage I think it's quite early in the book about the sort of metamorphosis that happens to our bodies when we step through, I think he calls it the looking glass. Yes, yeah, it's, it's in the introduction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Step through the looking glass um, and we realise our bodies for what they are, which is mostly water, um, and it becomes about sort of survival rather than desire, ambition. And it's all about the body for what it can do, the body for its sort of function, its ability, not the body for what it looks like or or how it is objectified. Yeah. And although he's speaking in a, he's framing it in a slightly different way, for me, it really spoke to me about redefining the physicality of my body 
in water. And that, so I'm sort of, I don't know if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense because like I'm feeling bad, like I'm I'm aware that I'm like a skinny guy and I'm not like macho or anything like that. And I always felt like a little bit ashamed or embarrassed of that when I've stood on the side of the pool. But when I'm in in a river, especially or a lake or, or the sea, I don't feel that. You know, yes. I feel part of yes. something, and that you feel that metamorphosis. And I think that spoke to me. That passage in particular, I think the first time I read it, it was like, oh, okay. Absolutely. This, is, this book is for me. Absolutely. This book is meant for me. Yeah. And I think, but it's also that idea about reframing desire and what, you know, what we are. And I always think back to, I think that passage now is really prescient as to what everything that's going, happening with the environmental movement. Yes. I do think Roger would be it the absolute forefront yeah. of that if he was still alive today I know yeah. he would be um, but that is that's really fascinating to me that that's the one that that you sort of took to be there. oh it's so definitive for me and I think I think that freedom that freedom that comes with feeling that way in water you've described it perfectly there and actually I don't think it's gendered I think men no. and women both have that um, that feeling I think is is what we what I wanted to give women when they put on our swimwear. I actually hate the idea that you have to get into water to feel like that. I think, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all put on a magic cape wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and feel that way? So I sort of want to give that to women from the, on the walk from the changing room to the pool. Before they get into the water, I want them to feel that they are part of something else, that it's about what their body's capable of, not what it looks like. Yeah. That they are held, contained, safe, all of those things. So, it's, so he was a sort of muse for me. In, in that sense, um, which is why, yeah, which is why I knew it Interesting. Did you tell anyone, from the, does anyone from Rose Deacon's estate? No, 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 I haven't told any of them. No. Yeah. Um, we no. should tell them. <laughs> yeah. We should let them know. They probably do know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, because that, that sense of trying to find that feeling of being in the water, outside of the water, mm. is something that I find really difficult I've written about that myself and I find that quite hard coming the other way like you know the other way when you can't get in for whatever reason yes. like whether it's cold or whether it's like in my case I broke my wrist and uh, couldn't get in and I had quite bad anxiety I think finding that sense of having been in the water without getting in the water yeah it, it's almost like a meditation like you know it's, it's basically on, on like when you strip it right back it's almost just like learn how to meditate absolutely you know learn how to you know, sort of strip away all the things that don't matter, and I think that's really, really hard, especially, especially in London. You know, space place like London where there's just lots of people around, yeah. and you know, you're being, you feel like you're being looked at a lot. Well, and it's it's easier for you and I because we've we've worked it out, right? Like we know the magic dust of being in water, but there are so many people that still don't go for a swim because it's so daunting. Or, yeah. You know what you wear is self-putting, or they're so conscious of their own body. Or so, they can't. Or they can't. Exactly. Yeah. So we, in a way, that, that becomes even, there are even more barriers for those people. Whereas you and I, at least we know what that feeling is like. And, you know, whenever yeah. I can't really be asked to go for a swim or I've just got too much on and I can't fit it into my day, that's the feeling I have to remember to be like, absolutely go. You will thank yourself ten times once you get out. Yeah, yeah, you've, this the Jenny Landers thing. It's like, you've never, I've never regretted a swim. Absolutely. Never gotten out feeling more... Feeling, feeling. Uh, you always get out feeling better than you did when you got. I got out of the sea feeling terrified yesterday. <laughs> did you? Yeah. But that was more like that was more like just standing up and being like, my, I just sort of been bar- like barrel it. rolled out of the sea. It's just oh, like you know yes. you sort of lazily get up onto the shore and then you turn around and you're like. Oh, that is so impressive. I really admire that. It was it was daft more than impressive. Like my my wife always shouts, "Be careful!" After me, when I get out, when I, as I leave the house, I'm like, "Yeah, I'll be fine. Honest, like, I will be back in fifteen minutes. I promise. Maybe, 
I'm not going to try and go to France today. No, but Yeah, it's not always the smartest idea to uh, try and go too hard on it. But yeah, I, I think like I'm sort of I'm in the point now where I'm umming and ahhing over winter, and I know I want to do it, but I know I'm away for like a bit of November, okay. and I'm going to be somewhere warm. So and I know that'll break you. You're like, I'm going to break me because I'm going to have like lovely <laughs> hotel pools and like. 30 degree heat mm. and then I'm going to come back and it's going to be December <laughs> a bit of a shock to the system yeah of sort of last year was the first year I truly committed to it I was going to say have you done it before so I do, I've done it like so last year was the first year that I did like two days like every two days or every day brilliant the year before that it was like fortnightly screamathons through January and, and that's, February. that's the harder way. I mean, that's almost the way I'm doing it at the moment. And it's hard because the temperatures drop. So you need to be doing it basically every other day, don't you? Because you lose your acclimatisation. And every degree you feel, I think, at that temperature. Yeah. Like the difference between 14 and 12 oh. is quite, <laughs> it's quite a big difference. Yeah, and like I was saying to you, like, once you get into single figures... You know, I mean, the idiotic eight degrees, 20 minutes in Hampstead Men's Pond. And I then, can't like, believe you did that. That was... That's really... That's that was... No, it was, Dave. It was very stupid. <laughs> it was, no, genuinely done. Don't, don't, don't do try it. this at home, kids. Do not try this at home. <laughs> I, I think I want to do... I know I want to do it because I know how brilliant I felt when I did it. Yeah. But it's just that thing of, like, getting all the layers on in the morning and being like... Yeah, preparing it. for it. And then trusting your body, you know, when you, Absolutely. you feel like you're... That's, I guess that's the other thing is I'll I'll probably keep doing it over the next few weeks and months but the minute I know that it doesn't feel right I know I do I know I listen to my body and I know what doesn't feel that's right. really important though isn't it I think there's that that sense that like you have to push on and you have to you don't have to, you're not proving yourself proving to anyone not. you can just go and swim in the in an indoor pool it's Absolutely. fine there's not a problem I was bemoaning this uh, earlier to someone how um, we don't have a, a really nice pool in Brighton yet because the sea lanes obviously is opening soon and I just feel like I need somewhere I can go and swim a kilometre without a bit like getting in the sea in December you know? <laughs> and just feeling like that's all I want <laughs> is, is that too much to ask um, yeah I think that you know I, I kind of feel like we need more Lidos everywhere yeah they're a wonderful thing aren't they they yeah. really are and I think like more I know you know this might be sacrificed some people like more heated Lidos everywhere just to get people out and make you know Sort of normalise it a little bit more. It certainly makes a big difference. I mean, clearly people swim more at Dunderfield Slide and, you know, there's a lot more people swimming there in the summer than in the winter. But there are still people yeah. swimming there year-round, a lot more than are swimming at Parliament Hill or Tooting, because, and all credit to the people that do that. But, you know... But you're not having to smash the ice here, right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, and that's, I mean... That's scary stuff. And I think if you want to improve access... You sort of, you know, you have to start with, with warm water, don't you? You have to start with warm water and you have to start doing it in places where people who don't normally say it, swim are. Yeah. Because it's fine saying, like, you know, going out and going, chucking yourself into a body of water is going to make you feel better. But unless you don't have the access, what's the point in saying that? Absolutely. And clearly, if you don't know what you're doing, actually, that's, that's really... Yeah, really and, it, and it's fine for me to say that as, like, you know, a white middle-class person who lives in Brighton, but what if you're minority ethnic and you live in Tottenham or you live in, like, you Absolutely. know, in a city, Manchester or Newcastle, whatever. Like, you don't have those same privileges mm. that I do. And I think it's trying to not... I'm sort of really interested in trying to knock those privileges down. Yeah. I know that Swim Denver are doing a lot of work in that area. They're awesome. Yeah. yeah. They're doing amazing stuff in London. Yeah. Well, I think, I think they're primarily in London. I know they do travel as well, but yeah, yeah, they're doing amazing stuff. I think um, that's sort of something that intrigues me, and I think that tallies with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about as well. Yeah, the, yes. the, you know, accessibility. It's really important. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for your time. Such a pleasure. Thank you. I really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, you too. After the swim, loved it. Oh no. Straight. 
please, more <laughs> of the heads up, swim and chat. More swim and chat. More swim and chat. Thanks so much, Rosie. Cheers. Oh, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Rosie. She is one of a number of amazing, strong and brilliant women that I've been lucky enough to meet over the last couple of years um, since Floating came out um, in paperback. And, um, you know, the events that she's been running um, down here in Brighton at Sea Lanes, the forthcoming Lido that we're going to get down here in 2020 and different events around the country have um, really sort of I feel helped improve swimming's image and is really doing it. She's really doing absolutely amazing work. Um, I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. Um, I'll be back with more soon. I promise. I know there's been a bit of a hiatus between this episode and the previous one, but uh, there's going to be more on winter swimming coming shortly. So in the meantime, enjoy your dips and I'll speak to you soon.